I was reading a story of a little boy about five years old, and he's on the phone, and his mom's in the hospital for uh, a little ailment, and he's explaining to someone on the phone. He says, yes, mom's in the hospital, and me, and Billy, and Sally, and Dixie, and the twins, and dad, and the dog, we're all here alone. (laughs) And that's exactly how it is. No matter how many's there at the house, if mom's not there, it's, it's, it's a lonely uh, feeling. And he got it just right. We're going to focus uh, this morning on the possessions of a godly mother. The possessions of a godly mother. And we'll be focusing mainly on Titus chapter 2 and 1 Peter uh, chapter 3. Appreciate Nathan reading for us Titus chapter 2 verses 1 through uh, 5. You think about the physical possessions of a mom and the different stages of a mom's life. And in the beginning, of course, the possessions, uh, you're thinking about a baby carriage, you're thinking about car seat. You remember the days of a car seat? And you're thinking about strollers, you're thinking about uh, a big bag, a diaper bag, but it, it evolves into even something bigger than a diaper bag. I remember when when ours were, were little, uh, my wife looked at me and there was a choice between uh, carrying the baby and carrying the bag. I ch- I'd choose the baby because the bag was really heavy. I don't know how the moms, I don't know how moms do it. Uh, it's amazing. But then uh, things progress and moms go through different, different stages of life as the kids grow up. And then the, later on, uh, Miss Karen, later on, your most important position is your reading glasses, right? You know, uh, so your moms just progress through the things that they need, and uh, the physical possessions they need changes over the years. But we're not talking about physical possessions this morning. The possessions of a godly mother, and we'll notice a few of these. Let's get started. I would say possession number one is passion for God. We're talking about a godly mother here. Possession number one is passion for God. Notice in Titus 2 verse 5, the end of the, the uh, verse there, all of these qualities that a godly mother is to have, the reason that she has these is because she has a great respect for God. So that the word, it says there, so that the word of God will not be blasphemed. Okay. In other words... Uh, she's going to seek to live in such a way that the Word of God will always be honored. If you notice Titus chapter 2, glancing on down to Titus 2 and verse 10, it says, uh, Our purpose is that in everything the doctrine of God will be adorned. That in everything that we may adorn the doctrine of God. Same uh, simple ideal there. Uh, in other words, a godly mother and really all of us, all of us, but a godly mother in particular will want to so live in her life that uh, God and His Word and His church and His name and His cause and His everything will be honored by our lives. Notice with me in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 4 verse 1 that we are to walk according to the calling wherewith we were called. We are to walk according to the calling wherewith we are called. In other words, we live up uh, to the Word of God. We live up to what we confess, what we profess uh, to be. 
Notice in Philippians 1, the passion of Paul in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But that's a godly mother right there. For her, her whole existence is to honor the word of God. Her whole existence is Christ. As Paul says in Galatians 2 and verse 20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And in Philippians 1.27, notice this really straightforward statement. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now that's a great challenge. But that's the challenge that godly mothers take on. Okay. Their position number one is they have a passion for God. And you not only see it in scripture, but you will see it in a mom's life. And we're so thankful for that. See, her passion will allow her then almost automatic, automatically to share that with her children. That's, that's, it's not just important because she's following God, but it's also important because she has a children about her. And that passion needs to be instilled in her children. And the only way for that to happen is for the love of God and all that he stands for is in her heart first. And it becomes easy then, natural for her, to pass it on and share it with her children. It really comes down to, to what um, a mom values. And then she teaches what she values with her children. Think about reading from Hebrews 11, 25 and 26 concerning Moses. And when you look at Moses, you look at the strength of his mom. But Moses was choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He, esteem, he was esteeming the reproaches of Christ to be of more value than all the riches and treasures in Egypt. See, Moses was taught to value the things which are most important. And that's really what a mom is doing when she's got her passion for God. She's able to then translate that and, and give that uh, to her children. Her passion also makes her willing to sacrifice anything that needs to be sacrificed in order for her children to become faithful Christians and go to heaven. That's what a godly mom does. She's willing to sacrifice. She's willing to go to the ends of the earth. She's willing to make any sacrifice to make sure that her children and her family are going to go to heaven. And her passion also leads her to stand against the world. And this is one of the reasons that the tribe of godly mothers has decreased over the years because there's such pressure from the world. Okay. But a godly mother will stand up to that pressure. Far above the titles of queen, far above the titles of princess, or the title of your honor, or the title of president, or the title of secretary, or the title of coach, or the title of broadcaster, or the title of spokesman. Far above all these titles is a little boy's voice saying, Mommy, don't you agree? But the world doesn't see it that way, you see. The world thinks the title of Mommy is just, you know, a little bit demeaning. All these other titles is what you ought to go for. Okay. You ought to be driven toward all these other titles because, you know, the world looks upon mommyhood 
as something that's a little ignorant, okay, that's uh, out of date, uh, that um, bespeaks of, of not having any skills. You know. Of course, we know better, and the Lord knows better. And a godly mother cares much more about what the Lord thinks than what the world uh, stands for. And she's willing to stand against that. So possession number one is that she has a passion for God. Possession number two is her love. We mentioned this last week in regard to marriage, but Titus 2, 3, and 4 talks about how the older Christian women teach the younger Christian women to first love their husbands and then love their children. When you say the word mom, you're, you're basically saying the word love and vice versa, right? Because when we think of love, so many of us think of our, our mothers as we ought to, as we ought to. Here's something about a mother's love. A mother's love is ever-increasing. It just, it just continues to increase. I was struck with this with the scriptures. You might want to notice this with me. Be, be turning over to 1 Thessalonians 3. And as you're turning over there with me, let me mention to you Philippians 1 verse 9 where it says our love ought to abound more and more in all knowledge and discernment. Okay, so that's Philippians 1 verse 9. But then notice with me 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 12. Notice what Paul says. He says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love. That's what a mother's love does. And that's what love in the family has got to do. Okay. You learn to love each other more and more. You learn more and more about love as you live in your family. This is particularly striking when you, when you consider that many of the ancient marriages were prearranged. Okay. But nonetheless, nonetheless, Paul, nonetheless, the Lord God is saying you must love your husband and you must love the children that come out of that union even though it may have been prearranged. Look, what the Lord is saying is you can, you can love. Love is entirely possible Love must grow. You must grow. Even in our day, when most marriages are not pre-arranged, uh, we, you know, I started to say this last week, you know, uh, there's an old saying that says uh, marriage is one, no, no it says uh, love is a one long sweet dream, but then marriage is the alarm, cl- alarm clock, you know. Um, but we didn't say that last week, and we didn't really say it now. You, but the, the thing is, we, the, the reality of the situation okay, is this. We learn to, to love because we're living together. We're living close. Okay? And you learn to love each other. You grow in that, in that love. There's a movie we like to go back to every once in a while. I believe it's a Hallmark movie. It's okay, Ken. Hallmark movies are okay every once in a while. Okay, uh, it's called Love Comes Softly. Love Comes Softly, and it's about the frontier days and 
this particular young lady loses her husband in an accident. And in desperation, another man offers her a place to live. But because in those days they did everything just really proper, you know, he, he would not offer her a place to live unless they got married. So they just got married. And he said after a while, after um, uh, when spring comes, that if you want to go back home, I'll pay your way home. And so she marries him, just right on the spot, marries him, moves in with him, and hates it for, for so long. But then eventually the, she just grows in her love. And then one of her neighbor ladies really says the, the quote of the movie, which is this. It says, um, sometimes love is not firecrackers. Sometimes love uh, comes softly. We know what that means. It means we learn to love more and more. And that's what moms do. That's, that's the wonderful thing. Is moms are flexible. Moms, moms grow. They, they, they um, adjust to situations. They grow with the family. And they increase in their love. And it's a wonderful, it's a beautiful thing uh, to see in a family. Here's another thing about a mom's love. It never ends. It never ends. I heard someone say one time, it, it is apparent that once you're a parent, you're always a parent. That's so true. Once you become mom, you're always mom. And in a sense, we always need mom, no matter how big we think we are or how, how advanced we think we are. Notice in Romans 16, 13, Paul is mentioning a particular mother and she was a mother of a couple of fellow Christians, but he says she is their mother and she is my mother too. His mother and mine, he says there. You see, Paul, even though Paul was certainly a man of God, and though he was doing great work and traveling here and there, and many depended on Paul, Paul also needed a mother. And this lady had become a mother to him. So a mother's love is ever increasing and a mother's love never ends. We read that in 1 Corinthians 13, don't we? Love never fails. Love bears all things, hopes all things. Love just never ends. And so a second possession of a godly mother is, of course, her love. Her love. The third possession is her strength. Her strength, her spiritual strength. Here in Titus chapter 2, the word used in some of the older versions is being sober-minded. Sober-minded. Okay. Um, the English Standard Version uses the word self-control. Self-control. The idea is spiritual strength. Spiritual strength. She has great strength. Back in Proverbs 31, 25, it says concerning the virtuous woman... That strength and dignity are her clothing. Strength and dignity are her clothing. It's just, it's just a lot of spiritual strength concerning a lady. A lady is not so concerned about building her muscles. But a, a godly mother is concerned about building her inner fortitude, her inner strength. It's a wonderful thing to consider. Think about Jesus' mother, Mary. And the spiritual strength that she, she had. God called upon her to take on a responsibility that she 
it was impossible. It was impossible for her to understand it at first. Okay. The, over, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow her. Luke chapter one, and that which is going to be conceived in her is going to be the Son of God. How could you possibly, as an older teenager like Mary, be able to even begin to understand that? She couldn't. But here's what she said: Luke one thirty-eight, Lord, I am your handmaid. Let it be unto me according to your will. According to your word, just let it be unto me. That is spiritual strength. And it doesn't stop there with Mary. You know, she was called upon to have spiritual strength. You know, she was uh, at the time of delivery and she went with Joseph uh, on their travels to be en- enrolled uh, from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem. I believe she went because she knew scripture must be fulfilled, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. But there's that traveling she did and that hardship that she endured, but she had the spiritual strength uh, to do it. And then later they were, they were chasing her baby. They were chasing, they wanted to kill her baby, and so they had to flee to Egypt. And so there's more spiritual strength that she showed. And then finally they were able to come back, not be able to go right to uh, Jerusalem, but they were able to bring Jesus up at Nazareth. And so she showed spiritual strength again and again. And even there at the cross, she's there. You see, a mother's love never ends. And so Mary is there at the cross, at the foot of the cross, showing, again, remarkable spiritual uh, strength. Now, a child does not need to look at mom and dad and see themselves. Okay. What do you mean? A child does not need to look at mom and see simply a, 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 um, themselves. They don't need to see another kid. Okay. Some parents have been taught that the way to um, bring up their children is to be able is to relate to them. Relate to them. And how do you relate to them? Well, uh, you try to be more like them. Okay? You start dressing like your teenager, and you start talking like your teenager, and you, you start having the same toys and gadgets as your teenager, and that's going to make me relatable to my teenager. Okay? Well, it's not necessarily what God had in mind. Now, mom and dad don't need to be as stiff as the back of this pew here. Okay? You need to have some flexibility and fun in your life. With your kids, but at the same time, God expects that somebody in that home is going to be the example of spiritual strength. He expects mom and dad to be those examples of spiritual strength. Worse than that, and very disgusting looking, is parents who just simply don't want to grow up and assume the responsibility. Okay, they're, in a sense, what they're saying is they're saying, "Okay, I am I'm stuck being a parent, but I am not going to lose my edge." I'm going to still be out here in society. I'm going to be involved, and I'm going. I'm going to uh, be. I'm going to remain cool. I'm going to remain in play, and and I'm just going to be. Um, I'm going to be all that I am and more. I'm going to be desired and more. I'm going to be out here. I'm going to be on the cutting edge, even though I'm a parent. I'm still going to be cool. That's disgusting. Or a parent to try to still be a kid when God has placed upon them the responsibility of being a mom and dad. You've seen it. You've seen it. And it's not something that would please the Lord. 
And so possession number one would be passion for God. Possession number two would be love, of course, the love of God in their life. Passion number, I mean, possession number three would be strength. Possession number four is a work ethic. Notice in Titus 2, verse 5, moms, godly moms are workers at home. You don't have to tell me that. You don't have to tell me that. Moms work. You know, it's been said many times that that moms um, do the most and ask for the least. And think about your mom. Isn't that about right? Moms do the most for you and ask the least from anybody. And in most moms' cases that I know about, they do the most with the least. They do the most with the least. And then they do the most and ask for the least. Moms are our workers, have a great, great work ethic. That's a position every godly mom has in her life. And I'll tell you what, what that does. That keeps her faith alive. That keeps her faith alive. Why is she doing this? Because this is the way God made her. God made all of us to work. But he made moms to work, especially in two particular areas, in, in the home and in teaching her children. Those are the two big things. And moms do a wonderful job uh, in both of those areas. Okay. But it keeps her alive, keeps her faith alive. And this is her domain. This is her domain. Because she knows what she's doing. Now, a man might go to school and decide to, uh, to focus in on, on children and even get a degree in child psychology. And he might even go further and get a master's degree in child psychology. In fact, he can go even further and get a Ph.D. degree in, in, ch- in children's behavior. But I tell you what, when it comes down to the guy with the Ph.D. and the godly mom, guess which one's the expert? Okay. And guess which one needs to stay out of the way when it comes to rearing children? The Ph.D. guy. And the dads also need to learn to stay out of the way. This is, this is mom's territory. She knows what she's doing. Okay. And it's not because she went to school. It's because the Lord God made her and gave her the Bible. And so not only is the possession of spiritual strength important, but also the possession of a work ethic. And this does wonders uh, for her staying close to God, keeping her faith alive. But it also does wonders in keeping Satan away. You know, 1 Timothy 5, 13 and 14 speaks of younger widows. And Paul said, I want younger widows not to be tattlers and busybodies. He said, I will that they will marry and bear children, rule the household, and give no occasion to the adversary, who is the devil. Okay, so it keeps the devil away. A work ethic in the home will keep your faith alive. It'll keep the devil away. And it'll keep our children from being adrift. One of the worst circumstances going on in the world today, even in our America, is that children feel, they don't feel secure because nobody's there. 
But when they have mom and dad there, dad there together, when, when there's a work ethic, and when mom is the worker at home, it provides a great deal of, of stamina and security and love uh, for the children. Possession number four is a work ethic. Possession number five is kindness, as is uh, brought out here in Titus chapter 2. Kindness and gentleness. A mom is amazing because it don't, it don't matter how chaotic the situation gets, she just seems to be so calm, so calm. Her words are almost always perfect. You know, the idea with speaking words as a Christian is that you know, you know what to say and where to say it and when to say it and how to say it. Mom seems to know how to do it. Proverbs 15.4 talks about a gentle answer or a gentle voice. It's the tree of life. That's how mom grows her home. It's because she, she, has a, she has such kindness in her heart and it comes out in her life and in her words. It's, it's really amazing uh, to watch. Here's one thing that, that we in the home must do and we must watch this of course we need to be teaching the scriptures mom is is busy in this and dad helps and is in busy in this as well but as we teach the scriptures we need to do it without having to condemn someone and it's easy to fall into a pattern of every time you talk about a bible principle you condemn somebody that's not following this bible principle and that's necessary because you've got to stand against the world, but not every time. You know, the Bible is wonderful. It's a wonderful book of instruction just because it is, a, it is from God. Okay. And so there needs to be plenty of instruction just because you're appreciating the beauty of God. When we read the Bible and teach the Bible, there's so much to appreciate without having to fall into condemnation. Of everybody who's not following this. Now you have to stand against the world. But also you need to appreciate the beauty of the Bible. Just because the Bible is what it is. Position number five is she has kindness. She possesses kindness in her heart. And in her lips and in her life. Think about this kindness. Godly mothers are not just kind to their, their own bunch. But they look out for other people as well. They look out, they teach their children. This is huge. They teach their children that everybody needs God's love. That our desire is not just to have God in our home, but our desire is that God will be in everybody's home. So a godly mother is reaching out to neighbors and friends and family members and helping her, her children do the same. Possession number six is one of my favorites. And I ask you to glance with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, 3 and 4. It's one of my favorites. Okay. Possession number 6 is what we call, what the Bible calls quietness. Quietness. And many moms will perk up and say, well, yeah, I need some quiet time. How do you get that? This is, this is not that. Okay. 1 Peter 3 is not quiet time. This is not time by yourself. 
Let's just read. First Peter 3, 3 and 4 says, Let your adorning not be the braiding of your hair or the putting on of gold or the putting on of clothes. Let your adorning not be that. But rather, let your adorning be the hidden man of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price, great value. See, it comes down to what you value. And so a godly mom has this quietness, this quietness about her. Now, what does this mean? Quietness means the absence of outward disturbances. Okay? The absence of outward disturbance. Let's see if we can explain this from 1 Timothy 2. You know, over in 1 Timothy 2, we're instructed to pray for everybody, even pray for our leaders, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Now, if you've ever prayed for the country, you've prayed for a peaceful country. And what you're talking about there is you, and when Paul says it there in 1 Timothy 2, he's talking about peace. And when he says peace there, that, that's peace from within the country, within the land. But also when he talks about quietness, he's talking about peace and no disturbance from outside our land. So if I'm praying for our country, I'm praying, Lord, may we be peaceful from within. And maybe, may we have uh, no disturbances from without. Quiet. Quietness means the absence of outward disturbances. And for the Christian lady and for the godly mom, that means there's going to be nothing on the outside of her life that appears outwardly that's going to take away from her hidden man of the heart. There's going to be nothing on the outside that's going to uh, distract someone else from noticing her pure heart and her spiritual qualities. Now, that can happen. That's why, that's why Peter is mentioning it. Okay. Things on the outside. What does Peter say? He says, don't let your adorning be the plaiting of the hair or the wearing of gold or the putting on clothes. If, if a godly mother is too much in that area, then it's going to distract. It's going to be an outward disturbance toward the inner beauty. What God wants from godly mothers is a beauty that is from the inside out. That's what the world needs. The world needs inward beauty, and that in itself, guys, when you're looking for your future mate, that in itself is what you're looking for. You're looking for that inward attractiveness, okay, and that's what Peter is talking about here. Quietness, then, is that a godly mother and Christian lady is not going to let anything that uh, is on the outside that is seen by people to uh, extinguish the spiritual influence she's trying to have in life that God wants her to have. Okay. That can happen by what you put on outside. If, you're, if it's too extravagant, what are people going to notice? They're going to notice the extravagance. Okay. 
They're going to notice all the jewels. They're going to notice the, the hair. They're going to notice the clothes. You, don't want, you want to dress and look in such a way that people are not drawn to how you look, but they're drawn to how you are inwardly. Okay. And that can be too much clothes. It can also be a lack of clothes. Okay. And in every place there is in society... A lady's inward beauty needs to be shown, whether she's at church or at home or no matter where she's at. I'm a little concerned on this, that we're not carrying this out in every arena of life. Okay. And so a quietness is essential because as a mother is able to show quietness, it not only pleases God, notice this, It's the hidden man of the heart. It has a beauty that will never go away. It pleases God, but also she's able to pass this on to her own children. Her daughters will take this on naturally from her, and then her sons will learn to look for these qualities as he becomes a young adult and thinks about a home himself. Quietness. So possession number one is passion for God. Possession number two is love of God, love in the home. Possession number three is strength, spiritual strength. Possession number four is work ethic. Possession number five is kindness. Possession number six is quietness. And finally, possession number seven is submission. Submission. It's a way of life. Submission. A godly... Mother and Christian lady should have no problem submitting to her husband, submitting to her, her roles in the home. A godly husband should have no problem loving his wife because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Jesus, Philippians 2, humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, Notice this, moms. Jesus submitted himself. But God highly exalted him. The Lord is asking us to submit ourselves in view of what he's going to give us in heaven. But that's not really exactly what we want to say I and mean, that's part of it think about it this way what drove Jesus to the cross was it fear no was somebody forcing him to do it no he chose to do it for the good for the best good of everyone else so mom Mom, it's not fear, it's not a lack of skills, it's not ignorance, it's not that you're out of touch with society, it's that for the better good of your children, your husband, the church, the world, the community, nobody's forcing you to submit, but you're going to gladly do it because you're going to be like your Lord And you want to serve him and be the influence that he would have you to be.
Every quality we've mentioned this morning is exemplified perfectly by our Lord Jesus. And it's to him that we are giving our loyalty. It is to him our faith is proclaimed. In just a few moments, we'll be able to gather around the communion table. But right now, as we're about to sing the song of invitation, let's think soberly about our Lord, how he chose that cross. He himself was a quiet man in the sense that we're talking about. He told someone one time, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have any place to lay his head. Jesus, what attracted people to Jesus was not his clothes, it wasn't his, it wasn't his house, it wasn't anything, he didn't look any different than any other Jewish man in his day. What attracted people to Jesus was what he was saying and what he was able to do and his compassion toward others. So let us be drawn to our Lord this morning. If we can assist you with any spiritual need. Can't you just see the arms of Jesus opening wide to to this auditorium this morning, but also to the whole world? Can't you just hear him saying, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Can we assist you with any spiritual need? Are you ready to put Jesus on in baptism perhaps this morning? Won't you make that known right now as we stand together, as we sing for the King?